When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to Soap from the Box. Do you sense a tinge of sadness in my voice? It's because it's the last week of season two. 15 weeks you've joined me. That's 30 episodes plus some specials. It's been an amazing journey and we will be preparing season three straight after this. I'm going to leave you with a TV, not just a soap, a TV legend. She's amazing. She makes me howl with laughter. Enjoy this. My next guest was born in Nottingham and started to set the UK on fire when she was just six years old, touring UK theatres with her own signature song, You've Got to Have Heart. She's gone on to be the queen of UK soaps, having appeared in Coronation Street, Emmerdale and Crossroads and the El Dorado that did work, the amazing Benidorm. She's also been in a carry-on, which almost makes me wet myself with excitement and is renowned in the industry as one of the nicest people you can meet. And that is a huge accolade in this industry please welcome a dame surely in the making sherry houston <laughs> hi sherry <laughs> i like that <laughs> a dame. i mean surely the obe or the mbe is on its way to you soon oh well listen i'm with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll just let's let's but let's kind of bypass the mbe and just go straight to dame i think well let's go to dame I i've mean, done what? enough pantomimes to be a dame now for god's sake <laughs> But first of all, I have to mention this song at six years old. What's I mean, I thought at first it was that Silla Black song, but it's obviously not. Have you read No, it's You Gotta Have Heart, or oh, You Really Need It Heart. And in those days, I could sing. So it was a tap routine I did. Oh, wow. uh, when uh, I think I started when I was about four. My mother was, you know, one of those moms that, you know, it, sing out, Louise. <laughs> and um, so the only problem is on one of my very first shows, because I had to. I, I underdressed in tap, tap costume and then on top, it was called Lady Make Believe and I had a big hat. My mother used to make all these costumes and a, an old lady's dress and I had to whip them all off and then do a tap routine to that song. But the unfortunate thing was, be, uh, as soon as I saw the audience, I whipped it all off and I weed all over the street. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother never, ever forgave me, even, I'm sure, to the day she died, because it was the most humiliating thing ever. Except the audience were in hysterics. So it's the first time I heard laughter like that. Wow. And I thought, oh, is that what I have to do? We on stage together. <laughs> But luckily, luckily I have to tell you, I've never, I've never tried that trick again. I was going to say you've not <laughs> taken that trait on. You've just, but it must. No. Looking back then, looking back, it must have it probably set a fire off inside you. Then just hearing that laughter and pleasing people in that way. Yeah, maybe it did. I mean, I didn't do, I, I didn't deliberately do comedy. No. Funnily enough, because I went on to do ballet and um, with Janine Duvitsky, actually, who played Jacqueline in Benidorm. Oh, and we went okay. to ballet school together. Yeah, we did point work together, as we always say to each other, until I was um, 17. And then I went to RADA and she never forgave me for that because she had to go to work. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> and I bet, so I bet when you did Benidorm, I bet she brought that up at some point then. Oh, just every single meal we ever had. <laughs> Well, we and have the drunker she got, the worse it became. <laughs> the worse it became. Well, we're going to talk, obviously, we always start with the soaps. But again, because I mentioned it in the intro, we have to mention, because Carry On is one of my favourite things in the world ever. Obviously, I was friends with the amazing Barbara Windsor, God rest her soul. And yeah. I used to work with her and love all of the stories about Carry On. So you joined, I mean, she wasn't in your film. You were in Carry On Behind with Kenny Williams, Joan Sims um, and Jack Douglas, named just a few of them. But... I mean, that must have been incredible going into such an institution as that. I also did the one and only Carry On television series. Oh, yes. Which was Carry On Laughing. laughing. Yeah. When we did a spoof on Upstairs, Downstairs, which was just fantastic. I mean, 
I feel very lucky. And I know we didn't know it at the time, but we know it now, that those actors were unbelievable. Kenneth Connor had the best comedy timing I have ever, ever seen. And I learned my trade from a lot of them. Peter Butterworth was my mentor for a long time, and I absolutely adored him. Of course, Barbara was amazing, Jack Douglas. I mean, Kenneth Williams was extraordinary. I wish I I have a very funny story about Kenneth. I was in um, one of the caravans, and in those days, of course, there were little old caravans with Joan Sims waiting to go on to film. But they were filming outside, and she needed to go to the loo. We're back to going to the loo again. And um, she was saying, oh, darling, what am I going to do? And I said, oh, well, you can't go out, Joni, because they're filming literally outside the caravan. So she said, oh, never mind. Pass me that polystyrene cup. <laughs> so I said, what? And she, so she said, just pass me the cup. So I got the cup and she pulled up her dress and pulled the knickers down <laughs> and started to weed this cup when the door opened and Kenneth Williams walked in. Oh, my God. He did not blink an eyelash. He just walked by and went, no tea for me, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, God. you can imagine this young actress. I One gobsmacked, Kenneth Williams, two, <laughs> Joan Sims wing in a cup, and three, that gag. I mean, it's and I've used it ever since. I mean, when I joined EastEnders, actually, June Brown reminds me so much of what I think Kenneth Williams was like. She's kind of got the same voice, and it's that... Very dry, yes. very honest, you know, sense of humour in that. I mean, incredible actors. I mean, all well, of Well, sadly, I never met Hattie Jakes and I never met Sid James and I never met Charles Hawtrey. I met everybody else and I'm very sad because I loved Hattie Jakes and Sid James. I mean, I thought they were just amazing. So I, I feel very lucky to have been part of it, but we didn't, people didn't realise how clever they were. They do now. Yeah, it's always Joan Sims, one, isn't it? Was, uh, Joan Sims was one of the funniest comedy ladies we've ever had, but people didn't kind of realise that. It makes me sad because I listen. I still watch them because Leslie Phillips is one of my favourites of all time. Well, I still watch them all the time. I've only just got my husband. He's Lithuanian, and I've only just got because obviously it's a very British sense of humour as well. Carry on. Yes. So he it's taken a while. Well, it is. I mean, it's quintessentially British, as they say. Yeah. That's the phrase. And, uh, you know, it's proper postcard, isn't it? British oh, yeah. postcard stuff. But I never, ever found it offensive. You know, in, in the times we live in now, everything's offensive. Yeah, Everything. It was almost, I mean, I know it sounds silly. It was in, It was, it, it was innocent. Do you know what I mean? It was postcard humour and it was innocent. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm called Carry On Leave because I do love an innuendo. You know, any innuendo going up. Yes, up. of course. <laughs> but, I mean, you kind of, I suppose, took the role that was played by a Barbara Windsor type character, you know, the younger. Did you feel any pressure to be, I mean, because obviously the, that younger character was, you know, Barbara played quite quite a lot of them. Did you kind of feel any pressure going in? Or like you said, was it not big at the time, so you didn't feel any pressure? Uh, no, I didn't know because, um, to be honest with you, I was so young. I just left RADA. I was, uh, when I'm talking young, I went to RADA when I was 18, and in those, you know, that wasn't heard of. Yeah. And but and I was an 18-year-old going on 15. Right, okay. I left not I left Nottingham, you know, n- never been to London. So I was a very naive. And when I went in to carry on, very, I mean, I was just gobsmacked. <laughs> I mean, when you go to Pinewood Studios, and my agent was Kenneth Williams and Joan Sims and Ronnie Barker's agent. He was a very big agent called Peter Reed and I was his young protege and he took me to Pinewood and to the restaurant that isn't there anymore and each table was a film wow. so there was Carry On Behind there was you know Tom Jones with Trevor Howard there was just I mean so every table in the restaurant was a film well you I, I can't tell you I was I open mouthed from the moment I got there to the moment I left until yeah. I went there to do another film called Slipper in the Rose with Richard Chamberlain and we had a Slipper in the Rose table. But before that, it was Carry On. And so when I went on set, I just kind of stared at people. <laughs> but like when I went into Coronation Street, I just stared at these people that, I mean, Barbara Windsor, you know, for me, I, I just thought, I am working with, I so it never, I was very naive and very gauche 
And I didn't I have... Well because I think we never lose that. I mean, when I first worked with Barbara, I was just like, oh, my God. And then we became friends. And But you, you still, I love the fact that we never get... You almost turn into a younger fan whenever you work on a new show, don't you? It doesn't matter how experienced you are. I do. I do. I never have lost that. And I, and I always... You know, even to this day, I, I've never lost that. And to, I, I walk in and I go, oh, my God, I've watched you for, you know, and I've seen you in this and this. And people think I'm really silly and they go, look at your career. I go, no, but, you know, I, know, I mean, I when, know. I, when I first met Bill Roach, I thought, Oh my God, that's Ken Barley. <laughs> no, you've cleverly taken me onto Coronation Street. So, I mean, in 1993, you started walking the cobbles as Maureen Webster. Oh. Described as yes. a dizzy, accident prone supermarket assistant who was dominated by her mother. She got employed by Curly Watts and never, well, at first didn't realize her first love, Reg Holsworth, was just steps away as the. <laughs> I mean, just reading that took me back in time because I never, I was never a massive Cory fan, but whenever I went to my nan and granddad's, it would be on. And I would, so I yeah. remember that period in time. And you and Ken Morley, I mean, it was just gold dust, wasn't it? Well, you know, it's it's weird in, in our lives as actors, you know, I mean, and it's happened to me maybe a couple of times, you know, in um, my first drama series was called Love for Lydia. And I was with Peter Davison. He was my brother in it. And Jeremy Irons. And all of us, it was nearly our first jobs, you know, but we all got on. Now, that doesn't always happen, obviously, me spilling beans. But but when I walked into Corrie and I met Ken, I can't tell you what I said to Ken Morley. It's too rude on the air. But I called him a great big fat something or other, right. beginning with B. And um, he, from that moment on, we actually got on to the point where he would, we would mirror each other's moves. Brilliant. We would finish each other's sentences. And I'm talking about a script. We would, um, we were like tight. It was, you never get that as actors, you see. You, you work with actors and get on with actors. But when you get that um, incredible relationship with an actor, two actors together, that they are glued and they can actually finish each other's sentences, that was very, I, I've ne- I don't think I'll ever see that again. Yeah, and, and it worked, I mean, brilliantly, it brilliantly. And I think, like you said, we all know, uh, and I'm sure people listening know, there, aren't, there are some not very nice people. And I've always said, as a director as well, because some directors, I think, are, you know, not nice, the nicest people either. Oh, I've been, I've had those, yeah. Well, I worked, I did a, um, a series called Iris with Thora Heard, and the director was Stephen Frears. And I, I can never get over working with Stephen Frears because he was magical. Wow. Okay. He used to say... Billy Elliot director, isn't it, as well? Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, I mean, he's done everything now, hasn't he? Yeah. Every film in Hollywood. And he used to say to me, look, you know, forget this, forget the script. That's not what this is about. This is about, it was Philip Jackson, the lovely actor, Philip Jackson, and myself. And it was a bedroom scene, not sexy, sexy bedroom scene. I've never done a sexy bedroom. So with Philip Jackson, we were just lying in bed and I had a cigarette in my right hand and he was on my right hand side. <laughs> so uh, Stephen had just said, look, let's just do it. Don't worry about the lines. I just care about you two having uh, this relationship. <laughs> so he just said, just carry on, forget the lines. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> what I didn't realise, and Philip didn't stop me, was this cigarette had landed on his chest, <laughs> just <laughs> above his chest hairs, and they started to burn. Oh, my God. So instead of him going, oh, my God, he went, he carried on. <laughs> and now I can kind of think, what is that very strange smell? <laughs> and Stephen went, let's cut there. You're burning. Philip. You're burning. You're actually burning. Your chest is on fire. It was funny. But I have to say, Stephen Frears is the best director in the world. I mean, he, he, what he does is he loves actors, yes, and that's exactly. the difference. Well, that's so important, and I think that's a yeah. Good, I think there's people. Are, I mean, I always got told there's actor directors and there's technical directors, and luckily, I think I land in the middle because I used to act. I think it's great. I just love. You know, yeah, and you must have seen people, you know, bullied 
or whipping boys, as we used to call them. Ooh, yeah. When you know, I, and you, and I've seen that many times. In fact, I've been a whipping boy, and you know, I've I've been that on that side of it when people just go for you, and it's usually their problem. You know, not yeah. your, nothing to do with you. It's their anxiety, their worry, their fear, their insecurity. And often jealousy, and often jealousy I think. I think if you're good, there's a lot of people out there that can be jealous of that as well. You know, like at the Yeah, it's a, it's a very weird phenomenon, isn't it? it? But, is. but when you get a director that loves actors, oh my God, your life changes, completely changes. And, and, and then it becomes the most wonderful uh, yeah. set or, or, or stage ever and that's what acting is all about exactly and the job we do should be fun but i'm going to do a little quiz now i do this every episode just to go through the storylines now your ones are quite um, you're going to remember these because they're such iconic moments where was reg and maureen go where were they going to consummate their marriage oh my god what was it on what was it on was it on were we on something yeah i've no idea i've no idea it was on a waterbed Oh, that I thought you meant to trip. Oh, oh no. Sorry, no. And and I think yeah. Derek Wilton drilled through in the end and it ended up. Yes, Derek Wilton drilled through and um and they ran upstairs. Now that it's a very funny story because they um because it was actually a waterbed and it was got it's something like four hundred gallons of water and they were, were gonna burst it and the water was going to come out. It had to be done on a closed set. And, um, you know, was to, to protect the water that it didn't go over the studio. So we had to do it in one take. Oh, God. So um, I was in bed screaming, Derek and, uh, and Mavis come in. But <laughs> this is not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so Ken Morley, who has nothing on but a little towel, <laughs> believe me, that wasn't easy. <laughs> so he's running around the bed. <laughs> Oh, screaming, screaming, screaming. I'm screaming, screaming, screaming. So the camera is now on my face. He goes to the side of the bed and drops his towel. <laughs> and that image has stayed with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> I think it's why I've been on my own for 16 years. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Because they, I think when you were in it back then as well, especially, there were still total legends there. Oh, you know, Julie Goodyear, you know, um, as Bet Lynch, yes. you couldn't, you know, you couldn't write that. That was an amazing time. I worked with Roy Barraclough because I did the pilot of Are You Being Served when I played Mr. Slocum. Yes, I was going to mention And he And I worked with Roy and he came to London and he and I spent a week together in a hotel whilst we, you know, we were rehearsing. Well, that. we had the there. best time. <laughs> I think we, we never stopped laughing. I mean... I, I insisted he moved from one hotel to another. <laughs> he phoned up my friend and went, she's very bossy, Sherry, isn't she? <laughs> she's insisted I move from my hotel. So my friend said, well, do you want to move? He said, yes, I hate it. He said, but I didn't, I don't have that in me to kind of say to somebody I don't like. And she's moved me and she's got me a better room and she takes me out for dinner. <laughs> So Roy Barakoff is one of my favourite people in the whole world. Were there people that you were literally like, oh my God, you know, especially I suppose to you. Well, I mean, uh, Bill Roach, I've always adored Bill Roach. And when I met him, I actually said to him, I think I actually think I mouthed it, you know, oh God, I've always been in love with you for some weird reason. Why would I say that? And then I, I was with him about two years ago to charity do and I said, I'm the only person in Coron... I didn't mean it like this is going to sound. I said, I'm the only person in Coronation Street who didn't sleep with you. He said, <laughs> I said, no, I didn't mean in real life. I meant as a character. <laughs> I mean, Maureen didn't sleep with, you know, Ken Barlow. He went, oh, thank God you said that. <laughs> I always thought Maureen would be good with Ken Barlow. Do you know what I mean? But so I, a bit of a faux pas there. But I did say to Julie Goodyear when I first got there, I went, Oh my God! How amazing to meet you! And she, I said, "You're, you know, you're, you're wonderful." She went, "I know, love. <laughs> don't worry." She said, uh, I, "I know you're starstruck, but don't worry about it." <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I mean, the stories I've heard about Julian are amazing. Do you know what I mean? But uh, I mean, but, like you said, I think Corey's been brilliant at. It's almost like you can never imagine another actor playing some of those roles. They just no the role were just yeah. iconic and like. 
Mavis and Blanche and Deirdre and you know yeah think real out of all the soaps these amazing characters do you know what I mean well they were I mean it was character uh, driven then and it was you know some of the characters were uh, fantastic you know Amanda Barriers, Alma, Johnny Briggs you know, all those characters were big characters. And the, and in my day, they used to, you know, people used to send, if it was your birthday, you'd get birthday presents. If you got married, you got wedding presents. You know, um, I remember when uh, Reg went off with a young girl and he went to Lowestoft with this young girl in the story. And I got a, uh, I, I had lovely fans because I had a nice character. So, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't horrible. And I had one, one um, set of about, about 30 men, I think. It was like a fan club. And they sent me this long letter saying, right, you know, we, we're going to protect you. We know where Reg has gone. <laughs> He's gone to Beristoft. And we're going to go there and we're going to find him. We're going to break his legs. And I went, oh, my God. So I went up to the producer and I went, could you read this letter? And he went, he read it, he went, yeah. I said, but I don't know what they're saying. He went, Sherry, there is no such person as Reg Holsworth. He hasn't gone to Lowestoft. There is no such person as his girlfriend. And Reg Ken Morley lives in Cheshire and he's got nothing to do with this story. Go back to work. <laughs> I think that's... Yeah, it's- it's so right there. You become so involved in it that I mean, you well, know. I, well, I only because I got frightened and I thought, "What? Stop it!" Because well, <laughs> people, right. people did totally believe it was real. Oh, totally, totally. So, next question is: After marrying in 1994, what business did Reg and Maureen take over on the street? Oh, the corner shop. Corner shop, and it must have been you. It must. I always think it must feel amazing when you. It's that almost it cements you there, doesn't it? The corner shop or the cabin or the pub. Yes. It's right. <laughs> yes, it's when you get when you get a business like like what, when the girls become uh you go into the rovers and oh, become mate. you know the owners of their owner uh, uh um corner shop uh, hairdressers everything you know it you you then belong we at that time we had um a granada studio tours and there was a memorabilia shop very oh, big the granada it. studio tours was enormous i don't know if you ever went i, mean, I remember it very well and then to that, and the, and the memorabilia shop was full of you know photographs of us. And then one, one of the actors one day said, "Oh, have you been in the shop?" And I said, "No, I haven't." And she, oh, she said, "Well, if you go in, you'll see. You know, there's a photo of you. Um, you'll be on a rubber, <laughs> a pencil, and everything. But you have to know that you will have made it at Coronation Street, and you will feel very secure when you become a fridge magnet." <laughs> And, and until you become a fridge magnet, don't feel so secure here. Yeah. I went, oh! And to this day, I don't know whether she was having me on, whether she no, really meant did it. Did Maureen make it onto a fridge I did, I, did, I did become a fridge magnet. Oh, wow. I did, yeah. But then and you... I was really thrilled, but I don't know if she was joking <laughs> to this day. It probably wasn't a joke there. I mean, I always think if you take over the pub, it's the best because you know then it's going to take at least a year to get rid of you, really, if you're running the pub. Yes, and you yes. Know, as, as I always say to the listener, I've mentioned this before, that I used to see actors go, if they ran the pub like in Emmerdale, you could see half of them was going brilliant because I know I'm going to get loads of money because obviously you get paid for so many episodes. But then you see the other half of it going, oh my God, I've got to stand in hills for a 12-hour day just doing the same thing. Well, there is that, of course. You know, there is that. And when when I went, when Brian Parks came in and decided that I think there was 10 of us going on, um, I did do another year before I actually went, and uh, which was really an upsetting year because I had this... Upsetting in the sense that it, I had to leave my mother, yeah. and they were, but they were wonderful scripts. I have to tell you, they were brilliantly written. Um, I had some of the best scenes ever in my last year in Coronation Street, so I can never forget that. Although I was so sad to go, and I'm and I'm still in Germany now. I know you're still in Germany. I mean, I know you came back, but because Ken, Ken left before you, didn't he? Yes, he went. I can't remember how he left. Yes, he left. I think he a left a yeah. couple of years before. Yeah. And did you kind of think then, 
like did you I think God if you're in a big partnership does it suddenly yes I did uh, well it kind of it kind of didn't occur to me but I remember one of the actors saying to me it's difficult when you're in a massive partnership and one partnership partner goes because it's kind of they don't know what to do with you yeah and they they did think of things and it didn't work you know uh, and um you know I was I married uh, Fred Elliott and then I was with Kevin's dad and um after Reg I have to agree it didn't work but nevertheless I had some wonderful, wonderful scenes. Yeah. And I would have loved to have them to have found a way that Maureen could have worked. But they obviously didn't and couldn't. And, you know, that it, it was one of those times, you know, when new producers come in and they go, oh, I'm not sure I like that character. You know, it's their choice. I mean, I can't it's believe that anyone would think that about you or Maureen. I mean, well, about Maureen, because Maureen was brilliant, but... I think you're right. I mean, I think like people like Sally, who's been on the show, Sally Dynavie is amazing, obviously. But yeah, she says, you know, she's been really lucky because obviously they were like, God, we can't keep getting Kevin and Sally back together. But luckily, Tim and her worked brilliantly. So brilliantly. Yeah. Two brilliant actors together, I have to say. So again, two brilliant actors. Though Sally's been there for years. She, I mean, I think every actor never thinks their place is cemented because you might be in it, but you might only be in it very minimalist if they, and Sally... Well, you see, this is the thing with with the street or any any of them, really. You know, you go in and what... I went in for six weeks and I stayed for five years. Wow. So that's very lucky. Yeah. That's very lucky. And and I I always think there should be some sort of mentor that when they come in and they go, you have got a year's contract, but think of it as a year. Yes. You know, because yes. the problem is with the Coronation Street, a bit like Benny Dorm, you mm. love it so much you, never that you want don't to... want to leave. Yes. And, that's... You know, and you really get comfortable and you think, oh, I want to stay here now. This, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And, of course, it is a job which can change when producers come in, writers come in, and writers go, oh, I'm not sure I can write for that character, and you're gone. Yeah, and it, like, it and it hurts, and, and it's like people, isn't it? It's like being yes. and it ending. Yes, and particularly in Coronation Street. Do you know what I mean? It, it's you know, it's iconic, and it's it, it's been going since 1960, and it, so you kind of go, oh, this is fabulous, you know. Oh, I'm going to stay now, but you <laughs> realise it's not up to you. I know. Well, and I say <laughs> the know? one. Thing, I mean, I'm not because I didn't know Brian Pop, but I mean, he has been dredged through because I think he did make some very bold and decisions, very questionable decisions. So, I mean, it's always followed, it's probably followed him around for life, actually. The, the uh... Well, I think so. I mean, you know, it, but it's not up to those actors. And, you know, I know when producers come in, you know, actors must fear that because they yeah. think, well, if he doesn't like me, he can, you know, find a way of killing me off. Or... That seems to have, <laughs> luckily, that seems to have, died a death a bit the fact that it used to be this axe grinder didn't it and now I've seen in soap that that doesn't quite happen as often you know you never really get those headlines when a new producer comes in I think they've learned now that they can't also well I think uh yeah because I I had a massive kind of um thing when I left I mean I always remember um you know I in the corner shop before we went home we used to take our bread home and when Brian told me that day, and and I and I'd just been to hospital with my eye because I had an occlusion behind my eye, so I was, <laughs> I was yellow because I had, had this <laughs> injection. Eye, yeah. My face was yellow. My pupils were as big as a plate, so I looked like an alien anyway. <laughs> and when when I was going out, he said, "Look, there'll be press out, but we've done the press release. Don't bother with the press release. I've done it." So I was in tears as well, oh went, but then still went to my shop and got my loaf of bread. <laughs> and so the headline was, Sherry Houston acts on a bread line. <laughs> Brilliant. I brought, I brought it all on myself. <laughs> yeah. Gave it, you were literally feeding them the best headline ever. But we'll move oh, I said it beautifully, yeah. Yeah, we'll move on to Emma Down. I'm going to start actually with a little surprise for you. So here we go. Listen to this. Hi, Sherry. Guess who this is? It's Dale Meeks, your <gasps> on-screen son from Emmerdale, Simon Meredith. He got, oh, actually, I shouldn't be calling you Sherry. I should be calling you ma'am. 
because that's what you'll always be to me. We had some good laughs, though, didn't we? Lovely Lee's asked us to record a little message for you, and I was only too pleased to do so. God, it was years ago, like. But, you know what? I always thought that our characters still had a bit of life left in them. So, I tell you what, as soon as the pandemic's over, what we'll do is we'll move back to the village and there we'll open a fish and chip shop, shall we? Or failing that, I've had a few Alan Partridge-style ideas that we could do on the telly box together. Uh, how about deep-sea fishing with Sherry and Dale? <laughs> or uh, ghost hunting in Geordie Land with Sherry and Dale? That has a certain ring to it. Anyway, when the pandemic's all over, Sherry, we've got to meet up because I miss you so incredibly. And uh, you'll always be me, ma'am. Lots of love, darling. Bye-bye. Oh, so... Oh. So, you know, I love I love Dale so much. And he's right, the characters never did have a stand a chance. Um, that was another thing of a producer coming in and saying, I I'm gonna, you know, put my stamp on this, we're gonna change everything. And, you know, we were unfortunately part of that. And I love Dale so much. I think he's a wonderful actor. He's also the most gorgeous man. And um and and gorgeous son, I have to say, and he's right. You know, those characters never ever finished. No, a bit like Maureen, she never finished, and oh, no. they didn't finish. Yeah. For people who remember, um, you joined in two thousand and four as the mum of Dale Simon. Um, I didn't realize because I didn't watch Emmerdale really then as well. But coming back because obviously now my, one of my best friends I live next door to her, is Nicola Wheeler who played Nicola Blackstock. So you kind oh, of yes. went in to meet her, didn't you? And kind of on a rampage against Nicola, which any mum in show would be. But uh, yes. it sounded from the storylines like that was fun. You had fun stuff, you three. Oh no, we had a great and Nicola was fabulous. And Nicola left Emmerdale. He did, yes. Yeah, I got I got to know her because I joined when I think a week later she came back and actually it was Charlie Webb who plays Debbie that had said to me, who I was friends with at the time I've been at Emmerdale for about six months, who said, this person's come back and you are going to be best friends, you're going to love each other, which turned out to be totally true, which is quite funny. But, um, I mean, she's a great character. You also, I mean, there was a storyline where you were stealing money from Kelly Windsor's credit card. Again, Adele Silver's one of my favourite characters ever in it because she was so, Kelly Windsor was brilliant. I mean, Emmerdale was, was it very different than Corrie? The way, the show, the way it was? Yes, it was, it was, it was very different. I mean, because that, Corrie is a big machine, um, you know, it's massive. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, in those days, it was uh, PR-led, you know, uh, we, did, we did press every day of the week. Wow. We were on magazine covers every day of the week. We did, uh, you know, OK Magazine. Hello, I mean, it was constant, literally, every day, every day, every day. So, so going to Emmerdale, it was very different because... There was no, like, dressing rooms where you all just hid away and never spoke to each other. There was a big green room. Yeah. It was a big family. It was um, a Dina Payne. I, I rented Dina Payne's house. Oh, wow. Uh, which, yeah, which was lovely. I love Yorkshire TV. Yes. Because I did In Loving Memory there with Thora Heard, and I oh, absolutely wow. love, love Yorkshire TV. And so it was a happy home. And Coronation Street was truly wonderful for me. But Emmerdale was a different experience, completely different experience. Well, I started, uh, I started on Emmerdale as a soap director. And actually, I'd never... So for me, I went the other way and then went to these bigger machines. Because Emmerdale, I suppose, was always the underdog, especially when I joined. It, it was then. It was then. It's not now. Not now, no. Oh, God, it's definitely not now. I mean, I remember they it won wins the first... Every, it wins every award, Emmerdale, now, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, I left after 10 years and the year after it won Best Soap. I was like, oh, for God's sake, I've been going for 10 yeah. years. And <laughs> um, uh, we, we can all say that, love. <laughs> we can all say that, I know. And then, I mean... I wasn't there. there. The Soap Awards didn't exist when Reg and I were there. Oh, of course, you would have been You would have been wiping the floor with the Soap Awards. <laughs> Best couple every year. And comedy performance. I mean, that would have been yours. Um, yeah. Well, we're on to, I mean, there's so much else to talk about. So, soap-wise, we'll end with Crossroads, which obviously became famous in... Now, not the, now that, I have to say, not the real Crossroads. No, so, it was the remake, obviously. And I think it was Lucy Pardew who plays Chaz and Emmerdale. She was in the new one. She was my daughter. Oh, she was your daughter? Yes. Oh, wow. Because, yes. obviously, it was originally famous for being, uh, you know, for probably its cheap production values, the original series. Well, I'm yes, but this... 
this was amazing. It had so much money on it. I can't tell you. And the second series we did was the campest thing I have ever <laughs> done in my life. Oh, wow. And coming and from I you, know like, now, the things you've done, that's amazing. Um, well, if Granada hadn't brought out Carlton Television, because at the same time I was doing a comedy series there as well. It was Nottingham, you know, and it was called Barbara with Sam Kelly. Right. And we did, four, we did four years of that there. And I was doing Crossroads at the same time. And um, and it d Barbara, which was, I mean, I don't, you've probably never seen it, have I you? I've seen that, no. Well, if you try, it's Gwen Taylor, Sam Kelly and me. And it's about them being married and I'm, I'm this crazy sister-in-law. And it's very, very funny. Oh, I need we to, to get that. Eight, we used to get 8 million viewers wow. every week. And, and right to the end, we got 8 million. So Carl, Granada then bought Carlton, and everything that Carlton meant, Granada got rid of, including oh, no. Barbara, Crossroads, everything that Carlton made, and then they sold Nottingham Studios off, which is the saddest thing, because it had the best lighting rig in Europe. Oh, wow. It was, it was the most amazing studio to work at. I cannot tell you what it was like. Absolutely amazing. And um, But... So that's the only reason that Crossroads went, because it became very camp and outrageous. Uh, Jane Asher, um, you know, uh, oh, Jane yeah, Burnett. She went into it, yeah, yeah. I remember Lucy saying how brilliant it was. She, I, I, think, uh, I think I remember her saying, because we got called down, I remember, one day on set to Emmerdale, and suddenly, every, but it's before Emmerdale became again, like massive, massive. And and I remember Lucy coming over going, oh my God, this is what happened on Crossroads, apparently, that you were all suddenly told down in the studio that it was going to end. Yeah. It was just sad. And they spent, I cannot tell you, this set must have cost millions. We had the biggest chandeliers you've ever seen. <laughs> You're like, it was wow. the campest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was truly very funny. Very, very funny. And it would have gone on to be a cult show. They yeah. don't let things breathe, do they, And unfortunately? Now, because I think, if you remember, no, no. I said in the intro about El Dorado, which was quite horrific, but I think it would have become huge. Do you know what I mean? If they'd let it go on. Well, talking about that, my character in Crossroads was called Virginia Raisin, and she was outrageously camp. And she became, in my book, Joyce Temple Savage and Benny Dorm. Oh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she was a forerunner for Joyce Temple Savage because yeah. although Virginia Raven was really uh, in Crossroads was really quite evil and, and bitchy and, you know, loved sucking people. Now, Joyce wasn't like that. Joyce, Joyce was, um, she was formidable, but she was a victim as well. You know, she was always quite sad. And I, Joyce Temple Savage in Belly Dawn, this is my history of her, that she was a BOAC uh, air stewardess, very <laughs> glamorous in, when she was young. And then she went on to be an entertainment cruise manager on one of the big cruise ships. Yeah. And then she ended up with a salada in Benidorm, <laughs> <laughs> running the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if something she was something had happened on the cruise ship that meant yes, she had I'm to stay on <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, Benidorm obviously is incredible. Everyone, I mean, God, that yeah. needs to come back. But so a couple of quick because I love it. And I loved you. I thought you brought you brought this whole new... Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It. Because I think after a couple of seasons, a few people left and it kind of did. You know, all shows go through. But you're, you coming in almost revitalised it. And it must have been... I mean, I know we've met through Ian, who worked on the press with it, who does the press for this yeah. show. Thank you, Ian. Uh, but... I mean, it must have been, I just imagine going out there. It's like going on a soap every day, obviously, but you're in the sun and the, it, it, all living together, I suppose. A bit. Well, we were five months in Benidorm every oh, year. Wow. And everybody that came out, including Magnus and everybody, Tony Hadley, everybody wanted to stay on once they'd done their bit. <laughs> so they used, to, they used to go and pay their hotel bills and stay on. Because oh, nobody wanted to go home. Everybody said it was the best job in the yeah. world, and it was. It honestly was. You take over that hotel every year, then completely. Yeah, have a hotel, or you could have an apartment. I went to the hotel because the crew stayed there, and I like being with the crew. Yeah. But every morning, I open my curtains and I go, "Thank you, Spain," and the yeah. blue sky and the sunshine every morning. 
and you'd walk down for breakfast in that beautiful sunshine and you'd think, oh. why, don't, why don't I live in the sun? That's what I <laughs> No, when I when when uh, I've got some Australian friends who are always like, I'm not sure why I'm in this country. And I'm like, nor am I. <laughs> For people listening as well, when you, it looks great, obviously, but it's quite hard work in the sun as well because it is really hot and you actually just want to be laying down, don't you? Well, the only thing I say is, I you know, I always say to my daughter and my grandchildren, we should live out there. But the problem is, what do you do? Everybody opens a tea shop or whatever. Everybody does boat trips. You can't. It's you can't earn money. So if you have to earn, that's the problem. If yeah. you can go out there and retire and just do bits and bobs, that's fine. But if you have to earn, I don't know how you earn. I mean, I think you would be fine, Sherry, because I think the Joyce Temple Savage Bar would probably earn a lot of money. <laughs> well, of course, but there's a Mateo Bar now. Oh, is it? Oh, right. Yeah, and by Mateo and Darren Litton, the writer. Oh, wow. And it's called Mateo's, and it's in the new town. Of course, it's been shut because of the pandemic. Yeah. But but come August, they'll reopen, and it's all the memorabilia is there. He's actually got the bar is the actual uh, reception from the Solana. Oh wow! So the best, really yeah, it's, it looks like the Solana, and he does karaoke. And Mateo Jake Canuso does you know cocktails. Oh, and it's a, Oh, everybody loves it. So I think they've beaten me to it. <laughs> yeah. you'll, have to, you'll have to open up a competitive one. But so uh, there's loads of really weird questions. It's almost like I've never worked in telly asking these. But what were the who were the extras around the pool? I mean, were they just normal people? Well, wait for this. So every year, we used to go out in March, and every February, they would, I mean, queue in their hundreds to be auditioned to be extras. Wow. So, yeah, the, uh, the the tiger aspect used to go over and audition. Now, you'd have your extras that we had every year because, you know, of course, you had to say that everybody goes back to the so same hotel every year. Yeah. But then you'd have hundreds of others and they would queue and queue and queue. We had masses of extras when you could in those days. But where we were in our bit of the pool, uh, behind the Solana, um, well, it was the Pelicanos, you know, not it's not really called the Solana. Yes, um, yes. So, so we had the pool bar and then we had a tape. So over the other side of the tape were real people on holiday. Ah, right. Oh, wow. So what they used to do is they used to swim up to the bar when we weren't working and we'd have photos taken and with them and everything. And they were they were wonderful because, they were, you know, they were explained by all the runners and everything that when we shout action, you must turn away not look where the camera is or the and look as though you're on holiday and they did which is quite and as soon as they, and as soon as they said cut they would all come back to the to the bar again and and, and talk to us well that's quite amazing because as we know as i know from going on holidays like that most brits are drinking pints of beer at nine o'clock in the morning do you know what i mean around the they, were. they were they were that's brilliant that they were obviously a great production that basically kept them happy as well that they didn't want to well they just lo they loved i mean the, the proof of Benny Dorm was when we did the Benny Dorm live tour for nine months. Oh, wow. I have never seen audiences in my lifetime, and I've been an actress for 120 years at least, <laughs> I've never seen audiences like it. Wow. It was, uh, in fact, I was talking to Tony Mosley yesterday, you know, played Kenneth, who's just yeah. gone in the street, actually. Um, and we were saying it was like being the Beatles or Take That. They would scream, six of us from the show. And I was the first on because I was electric. Somebody had come to the hotel and as soon as I opened the door, they'd scream. Wow. I mean, listen to me. And then, then Tony would come on and Adam would, and they would scream and then Jake would come on. Oh, my God, they're going insane. And then the six of us, when we took our bow, I said to the boys, I used to say to them, you will never hear a roar like, like that ever in your lifetimes again. What an experience. I mean, uh, you know what? If they did that with Corey and stuff, it would be the same, wouldn't it? Because Same. Same. But it just shows you the love of the yeah. show. Yeah. Oh, God. There was, yeah. There were six, there were, and also there were six of us actually from the telly show, which that's what it makes a difference. You know when Birds of a Feather first went out on their yeah. tour? Yeah. And those three. When you see those six people 
And the love of, for Benny Dorb was just phenomenal. I can't, it really, it used to make me so emotional every night. That's that roar when we walked on and that screaming and that, oh well, my so God, it was unbelievable. So I think the best thing is soap actors are just, you're loved, it's really hard work. And it went, like you said, when you when it comes off and it all works, it just must be, it's the most exhilarating feeling. No rehearsals, hardly any time to direct anybody. No time to learn lines, and they delivered these amazing performances. It's incredible. And Sue Johnson said actually on the first of the series that she found it really hard because she was in it years and years ago, and she came back obviously to play uh, Stella. And she said, not Stella, Gloria. And she found it impossible because she said even kind of saying good morning to people, you could see looks going, oh god, she's going to be a pain. She's going to want to talk because unfortunately it is a machine totally now, isn't it? Completely, yeah. And you have to be able to, you have to be able to, you see, uh, when Tony went in and Tony Morsley, I think he's absolutely brilliant and he's great as George. But, you know, he said, because of Benidorm, you see, don't forget we were out there being handed scripts every day and we had to learn really fast and sometimes you couldn't have, didn't even have time to learn. You know, there was, you know, they just give you a script and you had to have it with you and go, you know, there's no time. So that's kind of uh, your lesson learned there, isn't it? Before yeah. you go into something like a soap, when there is no time to learn. Yeah, and when you see like recently Jane Danson's performance, yeah, I mean, us working. Oh, how how yeah, no, oh. amazing these actors are because if you can pull off that in soap, you can do anything. Oh my god, I had to tweet her just to say she was so stunning. Phenomenal. Oh my god, I I. I've always thought she was a wonderful actress, but of course, this was beyond and above it all. You know, I just thought she was, oh my God. And Simon, you know, I went in when they were still young kids and and I always thought he would have made a fabulous film actor, you know, had he left, but of course he didn't leave. But of course, and, and of course he wouldn't leave, but, but and he, he delivers... You know, I, 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 people do realise how brilliant these actors are, I'm sure. But it, it shocks me all the time. And I think, well, Jane's performance was just so outstanding. It was, it was. You know, she has to get an award for that. Yes. Oh, I'm sure she will. I'm sure she will. And then yeah. let's move on to the real you. And I watched the video this morning, and this is the, because I want to, you know, shout out really to this charity that you're now very much part of. Because your brother obviously got diagnosed, um, yeah, with a brain tumor, and you've suffered lockdown. I suppose it is worse because he died, and you had to suffer not being able to be at the funeral. No, I wasn't with him at the end. No, which must but, have been uh, for you. But it, I only bring it up because of the charity. And I think it's good on the place like this as a platform to talk about how yes the brain tumor charity yes they are um amazing and i do this show called wonder birds as you know every monday yeah, wednesday we about, friday yeah. and saturday now um and they're coming on because the 26th of march is brain tumor day and so uh, the brain tumor charity are coming on to the show to talk about it because they don't get the funding you see no. that other charities get in fact they don't I think it's only a very slight percentage. So they have to fight for every penny, the Brain Tumor Charity. They literally have to fight. So whenever I can, I, I mention them or, you know, if I do like a, a show, a quiz show or something, I'll try it. Like I did the Christmas tipping point. I mean, I only got £1,500, but I sent it straight to them. And anything I can do, you know, that can because it's, it's a... The, most devastating thing ever. I cannot, I mean, I can't even begin oh, to tell you how devastating. Imagine. And I think with any person that you lose through something, I think what's so important with these charities is they are there for you, aren't they, to offer support to everyone affected. Oh, and they were. And they were. Pierce, who runs the charity, was amazing. He still is amazing with me. He'll just check in That's every good. now and then, just saying, I'm just checking in, see if you're fine, see if you need anything, see if you need to talk. You know, and and because it's hard, it's very hard to accept. And it's you know a year ago. I know. I still, and I still can't. I still can't. I won't have it because I still find it hard to think that he won't call me. I He's know. not going to ring me. You know, it's, my big uh, brother. 
And you've had to suffer. I mean, we've my mum's lost her best friend over this period as well. Very hard. I mean, it's, you when it's been hard for everyone lockdown, but when you have to go through something like that and not be able to, I mean, it's uh, you know, oh, it's incredibly sad, isn't it, that people have been left in this position because of the pandemic. I know. I know. I mean, I myself don't know anybody who had COVID. I don't know about you. Uh, I, I've, I've known people, but not who. Are, oh well, actually, I know Linda Lusanti very well, who obviously did. Oh no, Linda, of course, I've forgotten about Linda because yeah, she just look as though she's had it. She's That's had why it. I never think of Linda as having had it. Do you? Um, no, and really bad. I mean, I remember when she told me about. Oh, this. very bad. Yeah, she almost. You know, Sam came up basically to say his goodbyes because they thought she was. Oh, I mean, you know. I know, and it is hard to think of that though because she said I would think of Linda being so well. Yeah. You know? You wouldn't think that it could affect Linda. Because well, she looks amazing, doesn't she? Oh, she does look amazing. So, and I've known a couple of friends to have it, but not, you know, actually my dad's had it and my stepmom, but they were, they said it was no worse than a cold and they're old. So, I mean, it's a mad. Yeah, I know. It just depends how it, I mean, Bobby Ball, who was a, a very big friend of mine and his wife had it. And of course, Yvonne was fine, but Bobby had, is it COPD? Right. Um, and so when you've got, you know, a, a lung problem. It the, the COVID scars your lungs, and you you yeah. know you. It's very hard to come back, and he he didn't, and oh, just it really. And that's another person who won't ring me. So I just feel oh, no. you know, and I, I miss him too. You know what I mean? I mean so it's, it's, it's the only one good thing to come out of it, if anything, is I think it's made us all realize how important people are, and you know, like it's very easy to. So sometimes not keeping contact with people. For me, it's definitely made me, you know, love everyone and miss everyone and to put the most important things in life first. Do you know what I mean? Which I think is... Um... And, but I do, I mean, I do think all this aggression that we're going through at the moment and indeed burglaries and all this, you know, yeah, yeah. I think it's to do with being locked down too long. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. people are now going crazy, aren't they? You know, then we need to come out of this lockdown. We need to learn to live with COVID and we need to open the country up because people are literally going crazy. Oh, literally yeah. going crazy. Totally. And this this podcast has kind of kept me sane. And we, as you mentioned, yes. it's a big part of Wonderbirds, which is kind of a bit born out of lockdown as well, isn't it? It was born actually in the week lockdown happened so it's a year ago and it's done really really, really well I mean right. it's it got eight million hits in you know in that year and it, it, so it, it, it's done really well and we get some lovely guests and so we're so thrilled you know we are thrilled and we're going we are going to do a live show as well Wonderbirds live show so um which which we're going to tell everybody about so, you know, it is moving on and it will move on because it's it's a really good show. You know, we're not restricted like television. You know, yeah. we can say what we like. Yeah. Product place. There's no, you know, um, whole load of lawyers going, you can't mention that. You can't do this. Well, that's what's been so liberating um, for me because I've got no execs. I've got no channel. No, nobody to say what you can't do that. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, I find it, as we were talking earlier about how soap actors are looked down upon, as I say, that you would not never see a soap actor on Graham Norton, even though the soap is probably getting more viewers than Graham Norton. I know! They're not, so this has been, I mean, this has done incredibly well, and thanks to everyone listening for, you know, making it as big, but, um, and it's helped me through lockdown, but also it's given a chance to people really to, A, take a trip down memory lane, and B, celebrate soap, because it's one of our national institutions. Well, I, I mean, I always remember Liz Dawn saying to me, because Anthony Hopkins came on the set of uh, Coronation Street, and he came, and I was just gobsmacked, because wow. I adore him. Wow. Sorry? Yeah, and he came into my shop, and uh, and I've got a picture of him with his arms wrapped round me, hugging me, and I thought, oh, my God, it's Anthony Hopkins. And I was a bit gobsmacked, actually. But then Liz Dawn said to me, I don't know what all this fuss is about with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I said, don't you? And she, no. She said, well, I mean, what's he done? I said, no, Liz, he's a you know, big Hollywood super. She said, darling, the only, Hollywood, the only superstars in this world are Coronation Street, and I'm the biggest you'll get. <laughs> and, she said, and she said, when I walk down the street, Everybody stops. And you know what? She was right. <laughs> she was. I mean, totally. Another legend, Liz Dawn. But oh, I mean, when you walk down the... When you walk to Manchester, she 
uh, I mean, she had crowds. I mean, yeah. no one, no one walked by Liz Dawn. I'm telling you now, no one. And I went to New York with Liz Dawn, you know, and um, it was, <laughs> we got there to cut a very long story short. One day um, it, we were in the New York deli, which everybody knows in New York, yeah, and it started yeah. to snow. And this guy came over. He said, listen, I don't want to be intrusive. He said, I know who you both are. We were with our families as well. He said, but you see that snow? That's going to turn into great big plates of snow. And you will be, I don't know if you've got to leave New York, but you will be stuck here for a good few weeks. And we went, yeah. Anyway, we walked out. When we got to the hotel, the hotel manager said, I just want to warn you that that snow is going to get bigger and bigger <laughs> and you will not. Anyway, we did, we eventually, about two hours later, it started to turn into plates of snow. So we got, we said, oh, come on. So we got our bags and we got in one of those taxis, which are the limos, you know. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we got Grand Central Station. He said, can you get out, get out? And we went, what? He said, just get out. He said, I'm not going to uh, the airport. I'll never get, I'll never get home. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were on the streets of New York. As it happens, another taxi came by and he said, are you going to JFK? And I said, yes. So he said, and he charged us something like $100, which was a lot of money, believe me, to go there in those days. We got there. Fortunately for us, it was BA who had taken us over. So they put us upstairs in the kind of little first, well, business class bit in, the, in, the, in like a coffee shop. We were there for... Seven days what? in the same and the window, and we watched the snow rise from the bottom of the window to the top till we couldn't see out. Oh we had, had one tiny, tiny towel each, and not hot water, it was just lukewarm water. And we had the children with us, and oh the food God. ran out. And then a pilot, well, a pilot and his mate came out, and they said, And we know your coronation street. And we know you've got to get back because Coronation Street were going mad because we were now a week late. Oh and they said, listen, we're going to bring Concord out. Oh. It's frozen. It's frozen. And the runway is frozen. But what we do is we'll wheel it out. We'll get people on board. And then we spray it, burn it, you know, burn the, uh, the frost off. And we take off. He said, it sounds dangerous, but it isn't. We do it many times. Do you want to do it? So we all went, yes. So we got on Concord, frozen Concord, sat there absolutely terrified. Oh no food, no drinks, nothing. And we heard it being, you know, blasted. And we took off and landed in Manchester. Oh and we were greeted God. by the press when we got there and said, you two are in trouble. And we got back to Coronation Street and we were on the carpet. The producer went insane. Do you know how many days we've missed filming? You are to, you know, you should both be sacked. Anyway, we both went to where and thought we were going to be sacked, but we weren't. Oh my <laughs> Isn't God. that incredible? That yeah. is incredible. I mean, you, in retrospect, God, if only you hadn't got a cab, and at least you would have been in the hotel for seven days. Well, I know. We kept saying it over and over again because the loos were all blocked at JFK. Oh I mean, it was, it was stinking. It was disgusting. It was awful. And, but then we got onto Concord. It was there, stuck in its hangar, frozen. Oh, my God. And they God, decided that, that as many people AFK as they could. Amazing. So, because I remember being, obviously, working as a director, and you would go, you just, if one person had, because for the listeners, I don't think I've ever said this, but the schedules are so tight that, you know, if you miss, you know, what an actor's crossing over to the other unit filming, even if that goes wrong, it puts that unit behind. So, Well, um, yeah, so you can imagine two of us two of, in the same scenes together. a week. I know it was terrible. I mean, we were really in trouble, but it wasn't our fault because it was at oh, that time. We need a holiday. I know, and but New York, it, it became a, 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 a major disaster in New York. So it was all over the papers and the television. And Liz said, "Oh, we were in that." Oh, no, I thought <laughs> uh, maybe the Tom Hanks film was based on YouTube, where he's stuck in the airport for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> So well, we were quite ex we were quite excited that we were in that kind of big American disaster. <laughs> yeah, oh my god! 
And then we can't go without mentioning just a couple of other shows because obviously Loose Women was a massive part of it. Wonder Birds has kind yeah, of... Yeah, 16 years of my life. Yeah. I mean, I remember when that show started, you were kind of like, oh God, is this really going to work? And obviously it's phenomenal. And it's a... Brit- I mean, my mum was a... Well, to be honest with you, we made it in Norwich. And um, I remember there was me, Kate Adams, um, it would have been Carol McGiffin and Gigi Morley. And we used to we used to wait to go on and go, well, nobody's watching it, so we can say what we want, really. We, and we used to do six weeks, and then they'd go, oh, don't, we don't really want to do it anymore. So we'd wait, do another six, <laughs> oh, no, it's never never going to work. Wait, we'd do eight weeks. And it went on like that for ages. We, n- we never thought it was going to work, and we never thought people watched it. But it was quite, it was much more outrageous then, of course, because nobody nobody uh, had a <laughs> yeah. forethought to stop us saying <laughs> Now you wouldn't be able to say what we used to say, but we say it on Wonderbirds instead. We live in a very different world to when it leaves women started. I mean, free speech, whatever, is a very yeah, isn't it, to say stuff. Well, I mean, it's like everybody is offended by everything, you know, yeah. like when you look at, I mean, the worst one for me the other day was, there was um, Dad's Army, which is one of my favourite shows, there was even a warning on that. Oh, my, I mean, the, the warning. And I thought, no, no. a warning for what? Uh, because it used... It was something about um, using language that belonged to another period, about the the First World War, oh, uh, what they used to call yeah. the soldiers or something, and and so and I thought oh, this is crazy now. For me, that's crazy. You know, I, there's interesting things like Linda Lusada was on the podcast, and it's really interesting when you put your mind to being a page three girl because obviously now people instantly yes disgusting. But like we talked about. In a way, it was like we said about Carry On. It wasn't sexual. It wasn't. In a way, it was innocent. And actually, like Linda said, a lot of the comments you get back then were from women. It was kind of almost empowering for women. But if you say that, I know there'll be loads of people going, "But it made girls like." Oh them. no, they'll they'll get you. Yeah. I mean, when I did the pilot of Are You Being Served, Mr. Slocum. I mean, you know, we got yeah, things about it up again because talking. I mean, that is talking of a camp classic, isn't it? You can't like you said. You... Well, but Jason Watkins, who played, uh, you know, Mr. Humphreys, I mean, they were outraged that he was camping it. But, I mean, John, I don't, I don't get that. He wasn't oh, being... That's what's funny. I don't, I'm a gay man and I don't find that offensive because I think, the especially, you know, the world has changed so much in every respect. And I think, again, it's not out there to... It's funny. And I find it funny as a gay man. You know, I, I don't even find it offensive. I know. I don't, I mean, look at RuPaul's Drag Race then. Are we going to have to stop that? I know. I mean, it's 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 gone slightly mad and it's good to talk about it openly because, again, everyone's got, everyone, of course, is, you know, right to have their own opinion. I just think we can't, you can't filter stuff from the past. That needs to be shown as it is because that's not the present. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, it, belong, it belongs to its period. Exactly. But, but, it, but I don't, I never found um, Are You Being Served Offensive? No, I don't remember terrible. ever being offended by it. And talking you know, about uh, there was the pressure on because obviously, I mean, Molly was Sugden was incredible in it. What do you find? And I know it, it never got picked up for a series, did it? It was just a pilot you made. Yes, it was a pilot, and um, and and also she had her pussy lines. You see, <laughs> yes. which was um, which was hysterical. I mean, the, the the end of the show was that she'd gone back home. And her all her sewage work, you know, her pipes had blown, and she came in covered in sewage from head to foot. And I'm just trying to remember the last line when I said, um, "Oh, uh, oh, um, what did she? Let me just get it right. I had to get a whole bottle of Vosine to clean my pussy because <laughs> she was holding it. The cat was covered in sewage. Well, nobody, nobody objected to that." Oh, but they obje- objected to the, the word. But I kept saying, but it's her cat, Tiddles. Yes, it, um, but that's still a word that's used to it. I mean, it's the innuendo, that's what, it's, you know, hilarious. It's how you say it. When Molly said it, if you look at it, are you being, when Molly, nobody was offended. No, no. She'd have said it in such, in a really, you know, dirty way, and a kind of, You'd have gone, oh God! But she did. But it was her pussy. It was Tiddles. Yes. And you know, and my line was that it was covered in, you know, <laughs> sewage, and so it took a whole bowl of, bottle of Vosine to clean her. Yes. Now the only, uh, but I'll tell you, the funniest thing was we got a 
a complaint about using the word voting because we were product placing oh um, shampoo. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you find it? Is it quite, I mean, amazing that you took that role as well? Um, but would you? was there pressure on, I suppose, to recreate? Or did you, I mean, it's hard to step aside, I suppose, from the original, isn't it? Because it's ingrained in our memory. Well, I knew Molly really well and I knew John really well. And and I I and the set was amazing. The set was exactly as the set was. It, it was just incredible. And I just felt um, I I I played it uh, in the innocent way that Molly played it. Yeah. In my opinion, and so and the the best thing is I had the wigs that she wore, the purple wig. Oh, I, I I chose the purple one. And and so I felt that we all played it with sympathetically towards the I, I was felt honored to to play Molly Sugden to be honest you know because I thought yeah. she was truly one of our greats oh she was she so was. Mrs Slocum is one of the best characters ever she developed ever and I've just felt honored you know and and Darren Litton who wrote it who wrote Benny Dorm had written two more uh two more episodes when he'd written it that they said that they were going to go for a series but it was at the time there were a lot of them, a lot of um, uh, comedy shows being brought back, and uh, so we were on a list. We were told that if the, the criteria was that if you got four, I think it was either four or five million, you would go to a series. We got seven million for, wow. that, uh, for that pilot. Seven oh. million, just over seven. I think it was seven and a half million. But par- they took porridge instead. Oh. So, you know, and it's just one of those things, isn't it? You know, and I mean, it's still out there. And I think that could be, uh, I mean, a, 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 what what lockdown's done as well, which is probably a brilliant reason why they should look into making that again, is nostalgia has been the key. People have loved. Oh, yes. What, Hasn't it, though? Warm, comfortable feeling, you know, like classic Corrie and classic Emmerdale. Are you in classic Corrie yet or Emmerdale, do you know? Um, I've, uh, I've been in classic Corrie for what, however long and I've just finished. Ah, right, okay. So my classic, I don't know if we ever get paid for things like that, you know. I often wonder, I suppose we'll get 50p at some point in yeah, our lives, yeah, won't we? Yeah, you'll get a nice £5 check at Christmas. You can <laughs> buy a For you five can, years. You can buy a free jacket <laughs> of Maureen. <laughs> yeah. But sure. my, classic, my classic Emmerdale is about to start, I think. Oh, brilliant. Well, everyone watch that and everyone listen to Wonderbirds as well. And Sherry, it's been amazing to have you on, a true living legend. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. It's been brilliant. So lots of love. And we'll it's meet up. We'll finally meet up because everyone, uh, you're friends with everyone that I'm friends with. They've always been like, oh my God, you two will get on like a house on fire. So I, can't I know. Wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, Please let us out. Thank you so much, Sherry. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much to the incredible Sherry Houston. The best thing about this job is I get to speak to people like that. Sherry, I didn't know before this and I got in contact with her and she agreed to be on. And for me, it's amazing to relive some of the amazing programs that we've watched her in and shared laughter with at home. It's incredible. So I want to thank her so much. And I want to thank you for joining me on Soap from the Box season two. It's been incredible. And all of your feedback has been amazing. It really is overwhelming how much you enjoy it and it makes it so worthwhile. Remember, there are two episodes still to listen to. So there is still one other one before I go and leave you until season three. Thank you so much to David Stevens and the Bothy. He's my right hand man. I could not do this without him. He's also one of my best mates. So thank you to him for all the edit help and to Ian McCallum, who has come on board and just been amazing with all the press help. So I want to thank them both. They're a huge part of the Soap from the Box team. Stay safe. Have fun and I'll be back soon. And remember, you can catch me in the meantime to get your fix of Lee on Great British Radio, as if you need that, at 3pm every Saturday. Take care, everyone. (laughs) 